got, I got time. <laughs> so I bet you're so enjoying the summer break too. Can you help me with your name? Can you pronounce yes. your name for me? Um, so I'm used to uh, the American version, I should say, is Marine. Marine, yeah, that's yes. kind of what... And that, that is perfectly fine. I'm more used to that now than I am to my actual pronunciation, which would be Marin. It's a beautiful name, though. I love the, I love your accent. So I may, oh, be, I may be a little flustered over and just sit and listen to you speak. <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing about my name is actually that uh, my mom has the same exact name, but it is spelled French. So with one E, I'm, my name is spelled with two E's, her name is spelled with one E and an accent de goût, which means you have to make the E a long E. Well, nobody ever did. So everybody called her Marin. And so she named me um, Marine with two E's, but she's the one that doesn't pronounce my name correctly. Shame on your mother. I know. So I, I, I kind of hold that over her head all the time. I think Marine is probably how, we, if I looked at the name, yeah. I would just assume it was Marine. But it's a beautiful name either way. So. Well, thank you. But now we're going to introduce you because everyone is just going to fall in love with you. Like I have Instagram account and reading little articles that have been posted about your farm is quite interesting. So. Well, thank you. Hey, y'all. I'm Mel, and you are listening to Wilma the Wonder Hen. Are you a chicken mouth loving mama or daddy? Together we'll dive into the latest poultry keeping adventures, chat about everyday life, with a generous mix of some hilarious stories. Bringing you fascinating interviews with poultry owners from all over. You'll find tips and basic advice from your local veterinarian, along with new chicken keeping gadgets and reviews. I'm going to see what Mr. Jangles and Wilma has to say about that. We're going to encourage and help you build a stronger, healthier flock. Let's go see what Mr. Jangles and Wilma is up to. Let's go let these heifers out. Hey friends, welcome back. Today's guest is Marine. Together with her husband, Joe, and two kids, she runs a small family farm in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is not very far from us at all. She is a math and science teacher and is from East Germany. Hello. How are you today? I am great, and I'm so grateful to be able to um, talk to everybody today and kind of share a little bit of our, of our story and journey. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we are definitely blessed. We've hunted her down for a while now. We're trying to pull out all the stops to get her to agree with us. No, I'm just kidding. She was very willing and she was very sweet. But um, I know our listeners would be very interested in hearing how your farm started. Yeah, we have quite um, the uh, crazy story that goes with it. Uh, my husband um, was caught in a crazy drive-by shooting. and. Um, yeah, it's people look at me now because I say it like nonchalantly. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. But you kind of have to just um, go on with the flow and with life. And um, he's not a police officer or anything. So he was just he's a carpenter. He was doing his his job and just got caught in it. And obviously, he could not walk for multiple months. Um and so I was kind of stuck with five acres by myself at the time. We didn't have any farm animals. And jokingly, at some point, he was like, um, maybe we need to get some goats. And I'm like, uh, okay. And he just, I mean, I, I to this day say it was a true blessing 
because he got obsessed. I mean, just obsessed with goats and read and researched and found local farms nearby to go check check out once he was able to walk again. And it kept his mind busy. So yeah. I think it was the best um, PTSD treatment he could have ever had. And so that's how we started with two little pygmy goats. Did you have farm animals uh, in Germany where you lived? When growing up, did you have the exposure to that? Yes, I um, we I grew up with rabbits, um, meat rabbits. So I always fell in love with all my little fluffies. And my mom kept telling me, don't give them a name. Yeah. But I did anyways. <laughs> and we had sheep. So two things that we don't have at our farm. But yeah, so I grew up with always having a garden, always ha having the rabbits around, the sheep around. So to me, it wasn't, I mean, we lived in town. So it was probably more of an urban um, environment that I grew up in, but I was around, like my grandpa had land and we would go out and we'd take care of the sheep. I almost, I can't remember if at some point we had some goats out there too. All I remember is getting hit in the back really bad. Um, <laughs> no. But hey, I didn't follow the rules, you know, yeah. if you don't, if you don't do yeah. what you're supposed to, then you might get hurt. Rule number one listen to the cronuts. That's very true. Yes, yes, yes. So how did you meet your husband? I know you're from uh, Germany. So how did this how did you end up in Tennessee? I know how did we end up in Tennessee? I had no idea what to do after high school. Um, I kind of like this, this generation of growing up in East Germany. And then the war came down, I was about 10 years old when the war came down. And so I call kind of my generation and like a couple years before me, a couple years, years after me, we just had this thirst for exploration because we were confined yeah. and we didn't have, we didn't have freedom in that sense. So many of my friends, we all were just like, we're going to go and explore the world. And so I wanted to go to Africa, but you know, as a 17 year old, you don't have your act together and get all your shots in time. So I graduated high school and all of a sudden... I'm like, oh, I'm not ready to go to Africa. So I ended up doing an exchange year here in the States and I was in New Jersey. And that's where I met Joe oh. and just met him through a friend and he was the neighbor and we just um, hit it off. And then I actually broke up with him. Because <gasps> I'm like, I'm like, well, what? I'm, I was 19 and I'm like, buddy, I'm going back home. And I'm yeah. not going to have a long distance relationship because yeah. I'm way too young for that. So we actually did not talk for two years. This is the crazy part. We did not talk for two years. And then I came back to visit the family that I stayed with during my exchange year. And I just emailed him. I didn't have a phone number. I didn't have an address. I just had his email address. And I was like, okay, two years later, I'm going to email you and be like, hey, I'm in town. Let's meet up. And he responded. Oh, how and, could he not with that accent? <laughs> I would have responded. <laughs> so ever since then, I mean, we ended up having a long distance distance relationship for two and a half years. And wow. that was prior. I always tell people, I'm like, this was prior to FaceTime and Skype and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so we spent lots of money on phone prepaid phone calls. And then finally, I was like, okay, I know the language. So because, I mean, in Germany, we learn English. By now, you basically start in first grade. Um, for me, it was around fifth grade because of the war prior. Um, so I knew the language. I had the education. I had already started my teaching education. So I knew it would only take me another year to graduate here. 
And so even so, he fell in love with Germany. I mean, if if it would have been easy, if if the process would have been easier, he would have loved moving to Germany. And then you could have started your farm over there. Yeah, I don't I don't think I I don't no. I don't think it's that easy. You regulations are a lot a lot more complicated and a lot more bureaucracy than Really? I didn't know that. I mean, I'm not I've never really yeah. researched it much, but I know a lot of our we have a lot of people that follow us that reach out because they have a really hard time finding mm-hmm. nutritious foods yes and basic thing basic basic yeah. needs for like their chickens and things like that they're trying to raise chickens you know to feed their family yeah it's not it's they not can't that find easy. food like here like you have to raise if you can't grow it there then your your chickens are mm-hmm. not going to eat it yeah so it's it's and finding space i mean being able to purchase the land is not i mean you you have to start off with a good amount of money to even purchase you know an a small house with yeah. with with a with a fairly decent yard i mean it's not it's i never really thought about it until I didn't either yeah. until we kind of got going here because like you said i have um several people that i'm connected through instagram that are in germany and other countries in in europe and I get I get questions like you said all the time about even just animals. I mean, everybody keeps asking me about pygmy goats, and I'm like, I guess they are definitely rare to find in in Germany. Wow, that puts a lot of things in perspective, especially you know when you well. Sometimes we uh, forget how lucky, how blessed we are, yeah, and, and how accessible things are here. And uh, you see those who are just trying to provide for their families, uh, and they struggle just to do that to get to feed mm-hmm. the animals that they're going to use to feed their family. Yeah, it's definitely an eye opener. Going back to when you said Joe had been shot, and what happened after that? Like, was it like a snowball effect? Because I know you have more than just little goats. <laughs> yes. Um- very, very much so. And I think um, part of it is you can't take the teacher away from me. I'm just, every time I'm trying to look for learning opportunities and teaching opportunities, uh, Joe just got to the, he was so obsessed with his two little goats that he he's like, we're going to take them everywhere. And so we started taking them um, to a local brewery here in town. And people just fell in love with them. And so it it kind of, we just, just ended up, I mean, it, at first it was just us going to have a relaxing time and taking a goat, like taking the two goats with us. And then people kept asking, oh, where's your farm? And um, we want to come visit. We want to come learn. And so it, it just kind of developed on its own um, that people started being interested and in learning about more and then also wanting to come and kind of see our setup because they wanted to start. We would just gladly share the things that we had learned along the way. And for us, one of the big things, I think in the beginning, uh, Joe had found, I don't know, 20, 20 small little farms around us. And we just kept visiting those farms like he reached out to the people and he's like hey we're trying to get goats and we're trying to do this what's your setup we would love to look at it and so it was kind of nice that after we had gained that that experience through others for us to be able to kind of 
do the same thing in Guatron to so many people that contacted us and wanted yeah. to to learn more. So and and a lot of people, it, it just became also like a lot of like therapy, a lot of it, kind of without even knowing. I've had so many over what it's been three years almost now that we've had people come out to the farm. And so many times people will come and be like, oh, you have no idea. This just really made my day. And my mom has been sick and coming out here and just watching the goats play and, you know, the donkeys run around, just really calmed her down and brought back so many memories. So it's, yeah, it's just been a really great journey to share with our community. Yeah, we've had several, well, more than several, I'd say everyone that has come on our podcast has had a story of using their animals to facilitate like a sense of um, happiness and calmness. And, you know, they do their chicken therapy time. And I've had goat, you know, goat, uh, dairy goat farmers on here too. And that is part of just um, part of their happiness is it's like woven into their family. It's part of who they are. Yeah, I think I think it's it's what you it's that that is where most of my fulfillment. I mean, for myself, it's it's a lot of therapy. I mean, I couldn't teach, especially not these last um, two years, if I haven't had if I haven't been a, like being able to go out to the animals is like what calms me down, and and yeah. so I can only imagine what it does to to so many other people. And yes, it's a lot of work. I mean, no doubt. And keeping keeping any any animal is a lot of work. Whether you have cats, dogs, chickens, uh, whole farm. I mean, it it's it's a lot of work. But just like with kids, I mean, you have one kid, it's a lot of work. You have five kids, it's a lot of work. So by the time you yeah. have, so you might as well have five instead of just ex- one. <laughs> exactly. And so I mean, I'm like, well, once you have two, then it's really not that different because when when we had the two goats I had to go out and feed them in the morning and check yeah. on them at night and now I still do the same thing even so yeah. we have 30 plus animals now not counting chickens so how did the rest of the animals uh, come to life out there uh well <laughs> I know you got Otis the pig right yes I just love Otis so Otis is very special and he he's kind of becoming my baby um he doesn't like Joe too much. I don't know. I'm not quite sure yet. We were still kind of trying to figure him out. He's he's only been with us, well, maybe three and a half, four months now. Um, he's already lost a good 10 pounds, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And um, he's just a big old baby. So, um, but yeah, so what happened, um, we would go places and then we would hear stories or Joe would go take trash to the dump and he would start talking to somebody and be like, oh, you have a horse trailer. Hmm, do you have horses? No, you have goats. Oh, by the way, I have goats that I really don't want anymore. And oh, no. we would, yes, and we would go go look at where they lived and immediately we would say, uh, we're taking all of your goats because we need them to live in a better place. That's basically how we added all of the rest. You have many donkeys too, right? Yes. Four mini, four, two, two older ones. They are 
11 and 13 now, and they are still very shy, but seeing their journey just in the last three years, um, being from a neglect case, they would not even get close to us in the beginning. Needless to say, they would not get close to a stranger. But now it's amazing, and I love watching the interaction. Some people, when they come for a farm visit, they will be perfectly fine. They can go up and they can pet. So they are just, it amazes me how they immediately sense person is loving and caring mm-hmm. and calm, or if the person might not be. And it's it's incredible. And just being able to to watch them have fun. Because for the first month, I mean, probably first year, I don't even think they ever really slept. Wow, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they are are nocturnal animals anyways, but then they nap during the day. Once in a while, I'd see one of them kind of nap. But now, sometimes both of them lay down and and nap. And I'm just like, for them to feel safe, to lay down, be chill. Yeah, because that's the most vulnerable time is when Mm -hmm. they are asleep. So yeah, they know that you love them and they know that you are there to protect them. But do you call yourself a hobby farm or are you a sanctuary? Do you take in? Do you seek out animals to take in? Or how does that look? Um, We don't necessarily seek out to take in animals. Like currently, I would say we're probably at our max just in the time that we have and um, the space that we have. Uh, so it's probably more, I mean, I say that now, but if somebody was to contact me and I know it would be a desperate situation, I would probably say yes, depending on what animal it is. But um, I would say probably more a hobby farm. Um, now, except for our first two goats, every animal that we do have comes from a rescue or from some place where they needed to be rescued from. But if somebody contacts me now, like I get contacted about pigs all the time. It is heartbreaking. Uh, I've built connections and relationships with many other places around us to where I can direct if somebody was to contact me about a pig or a donkey, I would say, okay, we can't take any more animals in right now, but let me, you know, a pig rescue, let me connect you with a donkey rescue to where I can make sure that whatever animal it is goes to a place where they will be saved and taken care of. Because a lot of times, if it's a true neglect case or something, we don't have the time, financial ability, or even knowledge to do what needs to be done. Because when we took in one of our pigs, um, she had been at the rescue for two months and she was getting medical treatment and things like that. Things we could have never given her in that way. You know, helping network with them is still so beneficial though. Even if you're not taking that particular animal, you know, having a big network of people at your, as a resource is definitely invaluable. And sometimes we even, um, we even foster. So it's like, okay, you know, we'll take in, we had two donkeys that 
needed, they were in between. The rescue had to move them out because they didn't necessarily get along with the others. And, but they weren't able, the place that was supposed to take them wasn't able to take them until a couple weeks. So we were like, okay, we'll, we'll take them for that time period. We'll take care of them. And then, you know, they go to their forever home. So if we see, if we see, you know, our local animal shelter, if there's a chicken or a goat or something, we immediately contact them and be like, hey, I don't want them to be sitting in a kennel. We gladly keep them, right. you know, and then you can you can still do whatever you need to do, but we'll want to make sure they're not in a in a tight little kennel sitting around being miserable. And usually during that time, any medical care, the rescue will usually will take care of that too. Are there things along the way that you would have changed now looking back? Not necessarily. I think I think if I had to do it all over again, it would just be more practical thinking in building, doing fencing differently, do, doing certain um, goat houses differently. We just built our big barn last year and thank goodness we built it before um lumber prices skyrocketed. oh yeah <laughs> my husband is a contractor so yeah it's yeah it's not good so i'm glad we 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 built that but that is probably where i would say if we were to ever move to to a bigger place or with more um acreage i would try and build all the structures first before moving in animals because I think a lot of times that's what happens people get animals and then they have the animals and then they're trying to build things and that's when a lot of times you don't do it the right way and you don't you don't do it a practical way to where it's easy to clean or easy to to take care of because one thing that has been such a lifesaver now having the barn it is so easy for me to tell a neighbor hey we're going to be gone for a night can you just because if we're just gone for a night I don't have to get um a a farm sitter to stay at our house I can just have a friend and a neighbor um go check on them and feed them because now it's the setup is so easy it's so it's you don't even have to go into the animals don't want it to so I think that would be just set up layout buildings is probably where I think some people don't do their research up front in what's actually cute is not always the best way to go. Yes, absolutely true. Absolutely true. We talked about a little bit uh, on our last episode about getting a bunch of chickens because you're so excited. And we, we have a few people who panicked because they didn't realize how big, you know, you get 15 <laughs> baby chicks in the mail and within two Probably a week, a week and a half, those they, 15 they baby chicks, they double and they do not fit where you put them. And unfortunately, advertising is not always correct either because if you look at store-bought or prefabricated chicken coops, they tell you, oh, this chicken coop is for 10, for 10 chickens. And then a lot of people don't read the fine print. It will say for small breed chickens. Yes. Well, most people don't pay attention what kind of breed of chickens they get or don't even know. And then they have this tiny coop. And like you said, within a week, those 10 chicks would n- never comfortably fit in there. Mm-mm. You couldn't even use that as a brooder. Uh, no. I mean, 
They're so cute looking though. You know, they look like little mini professional, um, which I guess that's what they think they are is little professional full size coops. Mm-hmm. But if you walk up to one close enough, yes, it's a facade and not and not safe either. No, not would, safe at all. I would not trust no any of my chickens to be in there for a night. We wouldn't either. We one hundred percent agree with that. I would like to know what do your kids think about all of this? Do they participate? <laughs> do they have farm chores? Are they excited? Yes, yes. And no, <laughs> no, <laughs> there's always a no. <laughs> they, um, they are 13 and 10 about to be 14 and 11. And I'm, did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I got that right. Um, they, they love the animals. Um, they have plenty of chores. That's the only way we can, we can manage. Everybody has their, their share. Obviously, there are parts that they don't like about it. Um, when I tell them, I'm like, hey, so-and-so has some uh, runny poop. Go out there and clean. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like it. Or having to clean, like my daughter's job is to clean the chicken coop. Um, oh, bless her. So that's, you know, a very smelly, stinky endeavor. Overall, I think they may complain when I'm giving them too many things to do. But overall, I think they they really love it, and they've they've learned so much from it. And I think they won't, or at least I hope that they won't ever look back at this time and think, "Man, mom and dad made me do all this, and I hated every second of it." But the skills they're learning is invaluable, though. Exactly. Simple things require all those thinking skills to come together. And being able to apply it. So I, they just need to quit complaining, okay? <laughs> they, I'll I mean, thank you one day when there's some engineer or something brilliant. Well, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny. My son, he's, he's the one that doesn't like the dirt part of it, um, which he never has. Even as a little kid, he hated getting dirty. But he's become my snob. He's, he won't, he's like, I'm only eating our, our eggs. I'm only oh, eating, I our, love it. I'm only eating our lettuce that's grown in the garden. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so you are the snobby one around here, not touching anything that's not from the farm, but you don't want to get your hands dirty. But even, even that, it's like he does when he has to. But there are so many other things like we're about to take over. We have beehives on our property. And um, we've had a beekeeper maintain them up until, um, a, well, we, he, we have him for about another two months. So I'm actively learning to uh, be able to maintain and take care yeah. of the bees myself. And I told my son, I'm like, hey, this is right up your alley because it's so, um, you know, such a delicate and intricate process. And he's my thinker. He's my analytical yeah. thinker. And I told him, mom doesn't have patience for that. I'm not patient enough to do everything perfect, but with the bees, you have to be. And so I told him, um, I'm going to get you a bee suit and you and I are going to do this together. And he's so excited, super excited. I love that. That's the teacher in you coming out too. Yes. You know, finding what fits each kid. Yeah, because, because I know he doesn't like the barn the aspect of the barn and the poop and all that is not his thing. So I'm like, okay, what 
you know, task or what responsibility can I give him that he will really grow into and enjoy? And when the bee opportunity came around, I'm like, that's it. He's going to be my beekeeper. That's wonderful. I just love y'all even more. (laughs) In your face, you can't see your beautiful face, but when you speak about your little youngins and all the chores and things, your face just lights up. So trying. We all try. Oh, that's all we can do. I have, all my kids are grown. Mine's the oldest is in her 30s and married, and then the middle one is married, and the youngest one just turned 19. Yeah, well, we're getting there. We finished elementary and middle school, so we we have middle school and high school. What are some resources that you used along the way to gain the knowledge that you have currently with whatever animals, all of them? Um, I'm kind of old school. I like reading books. So I have, you know, I have my go-to chicken book. I have my go-to goat book, um, donkey. So I kind of, I'm, I'm old school when it comes to that. I always get my real book, not an e-book. Yeah, real that's book what I do too. Yeah. Where I can highlight and turn turn pages and then finding local local folks that have been doing it for a long time so I have you know I've like we have um Middle Tennessee State University close to us yeah so I've reached out to them kind of whenever because I I've learned very quickly that a lot of the issues you run into are very specific to climate to soil yes and to your surroundings. And so it might not help me talking to somebody in Oregon might not help me because it just doesn't match up with what I'm dealing with. Like we have high humidity. So a lot of bacteria that are growing, they don't even really deal with because of the the climate difference. So I, I think the best resources have been finding local farmers that have been working with that type of animal for a long time and then finding a good veterinarian. So we actually, I mean, we have three different ones. We have one for our domestic animals, for our dogs and our cats. We have one specifically for the donkeys and our farrier. Then we have one that is a little bit further away that we can take any of our farm animals to. And then we have one that in town, if we have an emergency and we need some antibiotics literally that day or that night. So I think that's something else that I would highly recommend to anyone starting off with farm animals. Do your research, find out where are your veterinarians that will actually look at a chicken, Yeah, (laughs) look at a pig, because just because it's a veterinarian, a lot of them will not treat farm animals. We have many guests, and not just guests, but people who follow us all day long that uh, have a veterinarian maybe 20 minutes from them, but, you know, they refuse to see a chicken. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is probably my number one tip for anybody is to search out a veterinarian that fits whatever animal you have. And then your other tip that you gave about finding local through your local extensions, local, local farmers, that is probably, I think, the the top priority and and i think i mean i don't i can really just speak for tennessee but um if you find the university like university of tennessee has an 
egg extension in every、mm-hmm. county, and I'm pretty sure it is very similar in in every other state. And they are amazing. I mean, yeah, they have they will connect you like with with the bees is where I'm like really、um, learning right now, going through the process again. I mean, they have connected me with so many amazing local people, and they can.、Uh, Give you groups you can attend to where you can ask beginner questions, and a lot of times、yes. it's even it's even to find、um, equipment or things like that because they they always know somebody. Oh, I've、uh, you know Bob the <laughs> farmer down the, down the road is selling his tractor, and I mean there's just the the farming community or the homesteading community is. I think that's what really makes me so happy as. Looking at the future and teaching kids, and sometimes being discouraged with what I have to deal with, that when I kind of escape into my homestead life, I'm like filled with with joy again because it's such an amazing community, and it gives me so much hope that we, as a society, bring change because we we got some work to do in regards、yeah. to our our planet and how we. Treat animals, how we treat our environment. I'm always really getting excited when I when when I talk with homesteaders because, and it seems to me, a lot of younger people are like in the last five years, a lot of younger、yeah. people have kind of taken a step back, leaving the city, moving out into the country, coming back to raising children with playing in the dirt and getting dirty away from. Jomax and Sanitized City. Yes, even 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 through COVID, I don't think any any of our homesteaders got went crazy over we got it we we got it clean. I mean, if you if you live clean and you use clean products, you are much healthier with a little bit of dirt on your hands. I mean, heck, my hands are dirty all the time.、Um, <laughs> Mine too. I've been working on my garden, which I'm very proud of this year. Yay! It's so much fun, though. We usually、yes. raise a big, big garden every year, and then this year I added in some raised beds. And then I was like, "Well, I'm going to add some more raised beds." And then, for you know what, I have like twelve raised beds. Yep. A tote, a bucket, you know, everything I can find. Like I'm digging out five gallon buckets to, you know. Put something in it, but I would like to know what you think of your future. What does that look like for you, or what do you want? What are your dreams? They kind of change. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. What、um, are they right now? Um. So, well, basically, for the next seven years, we're kind of、um, stuck where we are.、Um, my son got into、um, a good school for high school, so we're definitely stuck for the next four years, not moving him. And my husband moved around a lot during high school years, so we don't want to move、um, while the kids are in high school. So, really, the next seven years is kind of just I want to、um, continue having our farm events, our open farm events. I'm starting this summer to offer、um, actual little classes too. So, like we have one coming up. If they're local to you, or if they're not local to you, how do they get a hold of you? Are they open to everyone? Yes, yes. I mean, it's definitely anybody that's local, or even if you're visiting.、Um, we have the the events. I primarily work through、um, Facebook as of right now. We don't have a website. I haven't gotten to that.、Um, I'm I'm kind of working 
on all of that whenever I do have some time. Uh, I had a lot of ideas last year, and then all that kind of fell apart with having restrictions. So right now, uh, at least once a month, or most of the time twice a month, we have an open farm event where we really just we open the farm and people can come and basically spend two hours pretending they live on a farm. I mean, I tell them oh. I might pick up a shovel and scoop some poop if you want to learn how to clean the chicken coop. We'll show you how to clean a chicken coop. Uh, you can book private tours. If I tell people, if you want to really chat with us and walk through every step, you know, how to build the best fence, how to build a chicken coop. I mean, we built our chicken coop from leftover material from the barn. Then I, I, I most of the time say, I'm like, hey, you probably want to book, you know, time with us by ourselves otherwise it's going to get too crazy and this year I'm really pushing the teacher in me I'm starting with once a week we're having uh it's like an hour for basically all age groups and kind of like themed activities so the first one that we're going to have next week is going to be about sunflower how to grow it how to save the seeds because I'm like if you're going to plant sunflowers be smart about it and save yeah. the seeds for next year. But also think about we use the sunflowers for the chickens. Yeah. We use them for the for the goats. I mean, I I mix it in with with in the pig food. I mean, there are so many uses for certain flowers or even herbs and things like that. And then we're gonna have our next session is gonna be what does a chicken say? So it's gonna be all about the chicken. I love it. I absolutely love it. I have to come up to one of your open farm days. It's it's a lot of fun, uh, and because a lot of times it's it's actually other moms that kind of help me. I had uh, she's she's now a really good friend of mine, but she came with her with her little two year old son about two years ago, and she was like, "Oh, I didn't know there's blue eggs." Yeah. She she just had no idea about the different colored eggs. A lot of people don't. And so she was like, oh, you know what would be cool if you save some 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 eggshells and put them in an egg carton and then the kids can look at all the different colored eggs and you can explain whose, whose chicken it comes from and why certain chickens lay different colored eggs. And so a lot of times it's conversations that I have with, with um, moms or visitors that really yeah. inspire me and give me the ideas on on what to add because after a while – to us animal owners, yeah. it becomes a habit. It becomes normal. And then you have them visit and all of a sudden they are in awe. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I Doesn't everyone know this? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then you look back and you think about, well, you would have told me 10 years ago. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. You're so right. Do you have any tips for chicken keepers, first-time chicken keepers that you'd like to share? Or even seasoned chicken keepers, just whatever you want to throw out there. I think the one thing that amazed me that I didn't want to believe at first when people told me are using the ceramic eggs in the um, nesting box. Mm -hmm. And because I tried the golf ball, you know, you try to be cheap and you, yeah. you use the golf ball. And I very quickly learned, okay, the golf ball doesn't work for my chickens. So I went to uh, track the supply and bought my two little ceramic eggs, put them in there and, they had until um, we got the new flock of chickens. Um, they always laid in their nesting box. Now the the old hens are like, no, I'm not going in there anymore. The babies yeah. are in there. But I think, like we said earlier, 
thinking about how many chickens, what are, what are your goals? Because I think some people are like, oh, we're just going to get four. And then they fall in love, which you will. And you're going to end up with more. I think preparing that you're going to have more chickens than what you, what you initially say you, you want to have. And then also, if you end up with a rooster, well, then you know you're going to have more chickens, most likely. So I think really thinking about the setup, thinking how to make it practical. Because to me, the health of my chickens comes with keeping their coop clean. Like we built ours, it might not be the, the cutest coop on the planet, but it is so easy to clean. I mean, I can literally quickly sweep it out every morning because to me, and I even do that in the goat barn. Like we have, we, we poured concrete in our barn and um, it was a lot of extra money, but I am glad we did because we can pressure yeah. wash it. I can quickly sweep it because to me, being able to quickly clean the messy part that keeps a lot of the bacteria on a daily basis, I think is key to keeping your, your, your animals and yourself healthy and safe. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any last minute tips for someone who would like to start a little mini homestead or where would they begin? What would be something they could implement, you know, in a small way that could maybe start the process towards that? Chickens are easy. Um, even rabbits. Um, if somebody wants to have their own meat, you know, you can have your meat chickens and you can have your meat rabbits if somebody wants to go that route. And having, you don't have to have a big garden. I mean, growing up, we, my mom grew pretty much everything because in East Germany, you didn't have, you didn't have the options of getting whatever you wanted at the grocery store. You were very limited in what you were able to get. So my mom grew everything on a tiny space i mean vertical gardening you can be so strategic in what goes together with i mean interplanting your flowers that i'm really big on that i kind of my flowers are spread in between all my vegetables yeah mine too Uh, yeah i don't have a flower garden and a vegetable garden it's all one big big area and i think again thinking what makes sense for you and also thinking about where do you live? Because social media many times gets us caught up in, oh, I want to do this because, oh, this yeah. person is, is, is growing this or building this yeah. or having this. But then you realize for your, for, for your place, it doesn't work. I mean, there are so many things I would love to grow, but guess what? Tennessee, uh-uh, it's not happening. And yeah. I can waste my money on it all I want and I can be I mean, I, can't, I think I have a queen some, but there are things I won't ever be able to grow here just because of our climate and our weather. So very true. Being very realistic and practical is number one if you want to have a homestead. And it, you got to put in a lot of work, but it's very rewarding, I think. Before we let you go, do you have one funny story that you'd like to share with us? Could you share with our listeners <laughs> uh, we, something good, something juicy, something funny? Well, it just happened maybe a week ago, a week and a half ago. Um, I, I never made a post about it uh, on Instagram. It was on my stories because I didn't expect it. And I just walked into it. It was, a, I want to say it was a Friday morning, like literally like a week and a half ago. I go out and we had 
we have a couple of those plastic chairs out in the barnyard because, I mean, I need to sit down once in a while and these goats are heavy, so they jump. So anyways, so we had one of those, you know, cheap $5, $10 plastic chairs back there. And I walk out, I just kind of rose and started laughing hysterically because one of our baby donkeys was stuck in the chair. And I don't know how. It's not that he was mm. that the chair was upside down and he took his head and it I think well Joe actually says um his his brother um dared him to get stuck in the chair. But <laughs> he he literally was in the way he was stuck in the chair and I'll and I'll post the picture on on Instagram. I need to anyways. The way he was stuck in the chair was literally if he wanted to, he could sit down. Oh, no. So I don't know. I can't wait to see this. I don't know how he got in it. Um, the crazy thing was, it was like, you know, six o'clock in the morning before school. I ran back in the house and I called the kids because number one, they needed to see this. I needed their help because I had to cut the donkey out of the chair. So I, oh, no. I got our big um, clippers, you know, they are giving him some treats. And there I am, 6.15 in the morning, cutting the donkey out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> life of a homesteader my students always love it because they know when I come to school they they kind of they always kind of look at me so what happened what happened this morning who pooped, who pooped on you and I told them the story of the chair so yeah it it happens my principal is pretty aware that if I walk or if I run into her office it means mm, Hoens has to leave because her animals out I've gotten calls from the sheriff before so Oh no! Yeah, happens. I have one more question, and I'll let you go. It's uh, we usually ask three little silly questions at the end, but I'd like to know what your favorite song is and why. Favorite song? You're you're asking the wrong person. You know what? <laughs> I have to say, my favorite song. It's not my favorite song by no means. I was just so shocked that there is a song. Have you ever heard the Chicken Nugget song? Yes. Everybody knows the Chicken Nugget song. I did not know this song existed until two days ago. And how did you realize that? My students were playing it in the classroom. And I was like, what in the world are we listening to? And they're like, what? You don't know the Chicken Nugget song? Apparently, there's a pizza roll song, too. Oh, I don't know nothing about no pizza roll song. <laughs> so obviously, you know, I go home and I look at my kids. I'm like, did you guys know that there's a Chicken Nugget song? And they're like, yes, mom, we did. Yes, mom. <sighs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we go? Anything else you find would be valuable to our listeners? I think the biggest thing that I really learned last year, because I was stuck at home for five months, step back, pick up your chicken or your, your cat or your kid or a rose or a sunflower and just stop, take a deep breath and, and enjoy because my biggest mistake last year being I was home for five months and I don't think I ever stopped I got so caught up in to-do lists and chores and this and that that by the time school started back in August I was so exhausted and yeah. this year I'm like nope have I killed a lot of plants already because I didn't get to plant them <laughs> yes but you know what? That's okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So I think I think a lot of times, especially us women, we get so 
caught up in oh i i need to do this no you don't yes we do we we want or think we should be all do all yeah yeah and that's not that's not the case i am really thankful and grateful for you and your stories i love i i was so floored when i read your stories about the goats going to the brewery i was like ah we've got to hear from this lady (laughs) (laughs) but seriously we do appreciate you and um So thank you for being on Wilma the Wonder Hands podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Bye now. Bye. I'm Mel and you are listening to Wilma the Wonder Hands.